Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nation's true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders, past and present, of the Kulin Nation. We recognise that unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, listeners. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, and it is Thursday morning, the 10th of October. Hi, Grace. How are you going? I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, so this morning, unfortunately, Kate can't make it into the studio again. She's on the 4am shift at work, so we'll be calling her in for the news. She started work at 4. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty impressed that she's calling us at 7. Um, and then we're going to be speaking with Farouz, um, and Farouz is going to be speaking about a campaign that they've just launched to free journalist Hajar Usani. Um, then we're going to be listening to a conversation that I had with Sarah Al-Sayed, um, who will be speaking about her sh- uh, short story, Aerobics for Arabs, in the book Arab Australian Other. And then we're going to be talking to David Barden from the Equity Generation Lawyers. He's running the first case against a superannuation fund. I find that word very hard to say. <laughs> um, in Australia for not taking climate change risk into account, which is um, pretty exciting and maybe has some... You know, some implications for how people spend their super money as well. Mm. Interesting. And then um, Spencer Lay is going to be joining us in the studio. And Spencer is an artist, writer and curator. And they'll be speaking about uh, Spring Poetry Night, which is happening at Insidium Radical Library this Saturday, the 12th of October. Cool. Um, And lastly, also another event that's happening on the 12th of October is that Elfresh the Line will be performing at the Grace Darling Hotel. So he'll be joining us on the line and talking about music and politics. There's so many things happening in our show today. It's very exciting. Six years I've been in desert. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things like And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know. It's been going for a while now. Hopefully it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there. 
as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here, and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 From October the 28th to the 31st, some of the worst climate criminals will be gathering for the International Mining Conference, IMARC, at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Blockade IMARC is an activist alliance committed to putting a stop to the mass destruction caused by extractive industries across the globe and the harm they cause to communities and ecosystems. We need your help to be part of this blockade. Find out how at blockadeimark.com or check out our Facebook page, Blockade IMARC, a 3CR supporter. Good morning, how are you going? Good morning, good, how are you? <laughs> good. <laughs> what have you got for us this morning? Okay, so first up, Turkey has launched a military operation against Kurdish fighters in northeast Syria overnight, with airstrikes hitting the border town of Ras al-Inn. The Turkish president announced on his official Twitter account that the operation named Peace Spring had begun. He said the operation aims to eradicate, eradicate the threat of terror against Turkey. A spokeswoman for the U.S.-backed Kurdish-led force in northern Syria and Turkish said Turkish warplanes have started targeting civilian areas in northern Syria. Mustafa Bali said the Syrian Democratic Forces said that of the Syrian Democratic Forces that the airstrikes have caused a huge panic among people in the region. And to London, where the father of, Bor- of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has joined Extinction Rebellion protesters in London after his son, the Prime Minister, urged the demonstrators to pack up their hemp, smelling his words, tent and leave. Stanley Johnson told Extinction Rebellion demonstrators that they had exactly the right things in mind with their demand to slash carbon emissions to zero. Speaking in front of hundreds at one of the event's climate change panels in Trafalgar Square, he said the eco-movement was tremendously important. And I quote, It's absolutely clear to me that we have been moving far too slowly on the climate change issue. More than 500 people have been arrested in London since the protesters began earlier this week, blocking roads and bridges on Monday, part of a global wave of protests that has also hit Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. And then back home, where the Australian chapter of a white supremacist terror group will host a contest, a concert at a secret location in Melbourne on Saturday because there are no laws to stop it. The Hammered Music Festival is being advertised online by hate groups, Blood and Honor Australia and the Southern Cross Hammerskins. Premier Daniel Andrews has said it's a shameful and wrong warning that anti-Semitism was on the rise but there was absolutely no laws to stop it. The Premier said he was working with the Jewish community to strengthen laws so authorities could intervene to stop hate speech before it occurred. And that's it for Thursday's headlines. Oh, great. Thanks so much for joining us on the line, Kate. No, thank you. Have a great show. (laughs) 
And that was Kate Kelly with the headlines this morning. And now I think we're going to head to a track by Alfres the Lion, who will be joining us later on. And this track is called Alchemy. Everything I touch, I turn to gold. I got a lot on my mind these days. I got a lot on my mind these days. Responsibilities and coming of age. There's a crown to be claimed, I'm proud to be raised. In the southwest, where the praise the sound of my name, I do it large. You can say I got a mountain, this range, stay sharp. I just slice this in a thousand of ways, no doubt. You best believe, but before we proceed, you better double check your pockets for your wallet, phone, and keys. It's not safe to be up a pit. In the jungle where the lions roam, you go crying, home, need a new underwear. Your whole life, these sheep be leading you unaware. Been asleep on the gold mine, not believing it's there. Put the jokes aside, I'm not the kind to be climbing with. Most folks alive don't know the grind, but love the sound of it. What I create is legit, it's never counterfeit. The base metals are negative, transformed into empowerment. Everything I touch, I turn to gold. Been racking up these accolades since I was 12 years old. It ain't even challenging, I do this naturally. So pay close attention, yo, I call this alchemy. Everything I, everything I touch, I turn to gold. Been racking up these accolades since I was 12 years old. It ain't even challenging, I do this naturally. So pay close attention, yo, I call this alchemy.
everything I touch, I turn to gold. Been racking up these accolades since I was 12 years old. It ain't even challenging, I do this naturally. So pay close attention, yo, I call this alchemy. Everything I, everything I touch, I turn to gold. Been racking up these accolades since I was 12 years old. It ain't even challenging, I do this naturally. So pay close attention, yo, I call this alchemy. Most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate, and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counseling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000. A 3CR supporter. Red Alert. Numbers are needed at the Japurung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japarong country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarong traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarong country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. From October the 28th to the 31st, some of the worst climate criminals will be gathering for the International Mining Conference, IMARC, at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Blockade IMARC is an activist alliance committed to putting a stop to the mass destruction caused by extractive industries across the globe and the harm they cause to communities and ecosystems. We need your help to be part of this blockade. Find out how at blockadeimark.com or check out our Facebook page, Blockade IMark, a 3CR supporter. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR Code and follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR funded by the City of Yarra.
For 45 years, Friends of the Earth has been mobilising communities to resist the destructive industries like coal, gas, nuclear, and to transform our world into somewhere better. Come celebrate with us as we celebrate 45 years of creative resistance. 25th of October at the Gasometer, doors open at 8pm with a welcome to country at 9pm. The lineup includes Alicia Joy, Hello Tut Tut, Mortisville, Claddy, and more. You know it'll be fun because it's Friends of the Earth. See you there. You can get tickets online or at our famous food co-op at 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. Friends of the Earth are a proud supporter of 3CR. And uh, just before we played a track, Alchemy by Al Fresh the Lion, who we're very excited will be joining us on the line later in the show. And now we're going to be speaking with Feyruz Yusfi. Um, and Feyruz is behind a campaign that has launched overnight to free a journalist in Morocco who's been jailed for premarital sex and abortion. However, international journalists believe that the Moroccan government has used this as an excuse to silence Hajar Roussani. Welcome, Feyruz. Okay, I think we're just going to go to some CSAs um, and then we'll come back to this conversation. Looking to connect with your local community and do something rewarding? Well, volunteering to lead a neighbourly ride could be exactly what you're after. The short 40-minute group rides are for all ages and ride levels. Help people build their confidence, feel supported while safely exploring the local areas of Brunswick, Carlton, Fitzroy and Northcote by bike. Volunteers receive free ride leader training, so go to neighbourlyride.com to contact us about volunteering. A 3CR supporter. Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition, parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions and look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter. Um, Sorry about that before. We're just having a little bit of trouble, um, yeah, speaking with Feyruz through WhatsApp. So we're going to try again a little bit later in the show. But now we're going to head to a conversation that I had with Sarah Al-Saeed about her contribution to the book Arab Australian Other. Here it is. This morning, I'm very excited to be speaking with Sarah Al-Sayed, who has contributed to the book Arab Australian Other, Stories on Race and Identity. Sarah is an Egyptian-born freelance writer and Master of Fine Arts student based in Brisbane. Her research focus is digital storytelling by migrant Egyptian women, and her work, both fiction and non-fiction, is influenced by her culture, her family, and her identity as a migrant. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Hi, thank you. (laughs) Um, And you're calling in from Brisbane at the moment? Yes, I am in Brisbane. 
Is it really warm up there at the moment? It's all right. I mean, we're waiting for rain because it's quite dry. Um, it's been spitting a little bit, but it, yeah, dry. Um, not 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 too hot, but dry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, could you first start by telling listeners a little bit about um, Arab Australian other and the types of stories that are in this anthology? Yeah, so Arab Australian Other is a um, anthology for uh, people who identify as being Arab. Um, the contributors come from, I believe, over 22 different countries um, across the Arab diaspora. Um, it's, it's, it's really trying to explore the idea of identity and how it fits in with in the Australian context. You know, generally, um, as Arabs, um, we're painted with the same brush. We're generalised, um, often vilified in the media. Um, and we, this book really does show uh, the differences and um, how, how, how um, you know, the nuances in all of our experiences, like across the intersections of, you know, gender, of race, religion and, uh, and sexuality and so on. Mm. Yeah. And there's such a range of stories in this book as well. There's stories from lawyers, restaurant owners, students, journalists, poets. Um, how was it working alongside all of these writers? Um, I've never most of the, most of the contributors I have never met. Mm. Um, I, the, uh, my submission came from like open an open submission call. Um, so I entered my piece, and then it, it, it was selected by Rhonda and um, Sarah, who are the editors of this anthology. Um, so many of the contributors, uh, most of the contributors, I have never met. Um, I think that also really speaks to the fact that you know where where I am in Brisbane. Um, I'm as an Arab person, I feel quite isolated. Um, I don't. I've never experienced that real strong sense of like Arab or Muslim community here in Brisbane. Just speaking for myself, I know that there is um, there are there are some um, communities of Muslim people here, but I've I've never been um, connected or involved with them. Um, I it's it's, dif- it's a different it's a definitely a different dynamic here in Brisbane. Yeah. Mm. And maybe yeah, you can speak a bit more about the piece that you've contributed to Arab Australian Other Aerobics for Arabs. Um, and I think this is a really beautiful title. And I actually found your piece when I was reading the book um, to be really energetic and uplifting as you resisted uh, a lot of white beauty standards as a young uh, person uh, coming from a migrant background. Um, but I think it's also very telling of what young people um, are today uh, who come from migrant backgrounds are facing in schools. So can you talk about, um, yeah, the importance of writing this piece? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I wrote this piece. Um, most of the stories that I write um, are based on my my experience. I find that, the you know, the easiest um, way for me to write is to draw on things that have actually happened. Um, so this was, an, this was an idea for a story that I had before the anthology, but um, when the call for... Submissions came out for this anthology. It did really. It seemed to fit, um, so I wrote it. Um, it's about me existing in two different spaces as a child. You know, um, first that you know semi-conservative um, space of um, my like Egyptian Muslim parents having the, these expectations of me um, in regard to like particularly my modesty, um, 
when we're talking about aerobics and like the costume that I had to wear for the aerobics, it was like a quite like a tight like leopard, and it was um, you know to them quite <laughs> revealing. They wouldn't weren't really happy for me to wear that. Um, so like dealing with those issues, but then also going into like um, school and being in like a white dominant um, community, white dominant school, and having to uh, you know being the subject of like bullying. Um, because of my skin color and also because I was like hairy, like they could see the hair <laughs> on my back, they could see the hair on my arms, like, and that's that's not typical of what like a little girl, you know, or what little girls meant to look like, I guess here, like in white Australia, it's meant to be very fair, um, you know, um, cute and not too rough around the edges. Um, so when so when I went into these spaces, when you're meant to be like delicate and nice and pretty, um, and you know, according to like the white beauty standards, as you say. Um, I definitely had a bit of a hard time. Yeah. Mm. And you've been speaking at um, some writing festivals. Um, how's that experience been? Yeah, it's been uh, very surreal, actually. Um, I'm quite new to like the freelance writing space, and I've never been published in this way. Um, I, I was also published in the um, Growing Up African um, in Australia anthology. Uh, which was edited by Maxine Beniva Clark. Yes, yeah, so that was the first time I was published. I've had like creative, you know, nonfiction published in a book format, and then Arab Australian Other was the second, and they came like quite close, you know, together. <laughs> and so I've been doing these writers' festivals, and it's the first time they've actually had the opportunity to do this. Um, and it's it, it it's like given me a foot in, essentially, as a young writer and particularly as a young writer of colour where you don't necessarily always have these opportunities to break into the industry and to, have, to be able to have your voice heard. These anthologies have played such a key role in actually being, like, literally being able to be on stage and to have an like, actual voice to talk to people and to get people to listen. Um, and I don't think that we, sh- we should never like, underestimate the power of you know, people in the industry like Sarah, like Rhonda and like Maxine um, who actually do uh, reach out and make the effort to connect with like new um, writers in the industry, people of color who are working and who haven't um, had the opportunity, really like lifting them up as well. Yeah, I'm super grateful for these opportunities. Mm. And have you found that these have been places where um, you can now connect with more Arab people and build that um, solidarity network? Definitely, yeah. Um, particularly at the Brisbane Writers Festival, I had people come up to me and tell me like oh, they really liked my story. Um, they're showing it to people like in their family, and um, you know, could, knowing that there are people in Brisbane who are um, who are Arab or who identify as Arab, um, yeah, it's great. And I I think like sharing the idea of sharing stories really does help, um, like destigmatizing and. Um, like letting everyone know that we all experience these things, not to be afraid and not to be scared. Um, in both spaces, you know, it's talking to your parents and having to have these discussions about, you know, modesty or what they expect of you and also dealing with bullying. And because um, I think I, I speak for myself here, but coming from like a, the migrant background that I do, when you experience these things like bullying, you, you don't, your automatic reaction isn't, um, oh, that's, I've been like, um, hard done by like this is an injustice it's not that it's like you internalize it and it becomes a, an issue of shame and so you hide it 
Um, you don't mm. talk to your parents about it because they experience their hardships as well, so you don't want to, you know, bug them. And, um, and, and you minimize it. You say it's like not a big deal. Everyone, it happens to everyone, so we don't talk about it, which isn't necessarily the right way to do it. Um, it's okay to like, when you, when people do bad things to you, it's okay to be angry. You're allowed to be angry because they're doing, they're doing the wrong thing, not you. Um, so I think have, being able to like talk about these things with other people really does help and get, um, makes, make sure that we, um, express ourselves in a healthy way rather than bottling it all up, um, as sometimes we do tend to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you said that you've been speaking with your family and friends um, about your piece in Arab Australian Other and also the book. Um, what has been the general like, vibe from the community um, in response to this book? For me personally, speaking to my, my family, my family really, um, you know, they're really supportive. They love, like, when, whenever, whenever something comes out that's got my name in it, they'll, like, we'll buy 10 copies. And <laughs> Before they even read it, like it, um, so like they, they, you know, they love, um, they, they like, they like seeing the word Arab on things, you know. <laughs> um, so that's that's been really nice. I think um, with friends and you know wider community, uh, some some do pick it up and like they read it, and um, it's really nice to see people supporting um, writers who um, or people writing stories from. Um, different backgrounds, different experiences. Um, it's really nice to see, but I do think that we need more um, more people willing to read from different read different perspectives. Um, read more read more people of authors they haven't read before. Um, I think it's starting to, starting to happen a little bit more, um, and these anthologies really do encourage um, readers to um, you know open up their perspective a little bit more. Yeah. Mm. I did find that a lot actually reading the book because, yeah, there were all of these underlying themes of, you know, people seeking asylum and escaping violence. But then there were these parts in this book that were just, um, just the stories of resistance. Um, even in, even in your story, there was a lot of humour, which really, for me as a reader, yeah, just gave me a little bit of a like, ah, a bit of a breath whilst I was, um, reading the book and, yeah, made me keep going. Um, yeah. and I've learnt so much from reading it. So, <laughs> what is on the horizon for you? Um, well, so I've been working on my masters. Uh, so I'm doing a master of fine arts and creative, uh, so practice-led research and creative writing. And basically, that means that I'm writing a book. I've been interviewing. Um, uh, women uh, from Egyptian backgrounds, in, in, particularly in Brisbane, and I'm writing a book based on these, uh, like the identity of like the Arab Australian and Muslim female in Brisbane. So that's that's where I'm um, going, the, what I'm trying to do now. Um, but all the while, also still looking for opportunities um, to write wherever I can. Um, yeah. Incredible. And how can people um, follow? Your work. My work. Um, I'm on Twitter, so I, yeah, my Twitter handle is Sarah K. L. Sayed. You can follow my work there. Um, you can also follow Sarah um, Sarah Saleh and uh, Rhonda Abdul Fatah on Twitter. Um, they're quite active and they're really great. Um, they're the two editors of this anthology. Uh, yeah. Great. 
Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us on 3CR. No, no worries. Thank you for having me. Six years I've been in Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here I'd like to say thank you for all for coming um, helping, giving us a chance to do this it's really good, you know, it's been going for a while now hopefully it goes, it keeps going you know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners We can't blame everything on the external so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor because real power comes from here and it comes from family if you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 And just before you were listening to a conversation that I had with Sarah Al-Sayed about her contribution to the book Arab Australian Other, and now we are joined on the line by Fairuz Yusfi. Farouz is behind a campaign that has launched overnight to free a journalist in Morocco who's been jailed for premarital sex and abortion. However, international journalists believe that the Moroccan government has used this as an excuse to silence Hajar Roussani. Welcome, Farouz. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, so could you first start by telling listeners a little bit about the work that Hajar has been doing? Yeah, uh, so Hajar Raisouni, she's a Moroccan young journalist. She's uh, working in a critical journal called Akhbar al It's an uh, it's an Arabic critical newspaper <coughs> that uh, over the past years has shown a, a, a very critical uh, a voice that critiques the government and its policy, and especially the 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 the, 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 the state crackdown on on activists and and you know the civil society actor. Mm. So Hajar, uh, as a journalist who was working there, she was uh, covering uh, pieces. She was covering cases and writing pieces about social movements in Morocco. And I'm talking particularly about the uh, protests that erupted in the northern region of Morocco in 2016. So she was covering the process. She was con- uh, continuously w- uh, writing about the, this topic, and she also wrote about, you know, so she, so obviously she wrote about the the crackdown, the state crackdown on on the Herak political activists and their arrest and their um, uh, their and uh, and just trial. So yeah, so Hajar Raisouni, uh, we believe that she was uh, arrested. Uh, for being a journalist, I mean that's the only crime she she has she she has done for the states. Mm. 
And so you've launched this campaign um, that's in support of freeing her, and over 50 female international journalists around the world have also voiced their support. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about this campaign? Yeah, sure. So the idea came up when we uh, when we heard the, <coughs> the arrest of Hajar Raisuni. So as you explained at the beginning of the show, you said that Hajar was uh, she was. Uh, prosecuted and then sent and later on sentenced for having uh, uh, an abortion and premarital uh, sex. So uh, Hajar Raisuni and her defense, they continuously and repeatedly denied the charges, uh, saying that uh, none of these uh, charges happened. So, and yeah, so we decided that because she's a journalist and that there is not a, and we told that, um, um, and, Campaign that would uh, include all of the journalists would uh, would be covered worldwide, and then would give um, more attention to the case of Hajar Raisuni. And hopefully, we believe. I mean, that, and that's the aim of this campaign, and that's why we launched it. That would 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 uh, <clears throat> would uh, participate in the in uh, you know in pressuring that the government or the, the Moroccan authorities to release her so she could be with her uh, family and then come, goes back to her journal and write her pieces as she should be doing. Mm. And what has the response been from the Moroccan government from this campaign? Well, she, and, and no, nothing. I mean, we haven't heard anything about the campaign. The campaign was so uh, from my time zone. Now it's ten thirty p.m. Yeah, in Brussels. Um, the campaign was so, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the, the the campaign was launched this morning, and we uh, the campaign was launched on social media, so on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Instagram and it was um, you know um, shared by um, many uh, po- you know, political activists, journalists, Moroccan journalists, and international journalists. But we haven't seen any response from the government, and we hope that the only response we would see from their side is that they would release soon Hajar Raisuni, but also her fiance, the Sudanese scholar Rifat Amin, who was also sentenced alongside Hajar to one year in prison. Mm. Oh, it's just terrible. Uh, um, was he sentenced for the same, for premarital sex as well? How come he's in prison? Yeah, he was sentenced for having premarital sex uh, and participate. And I, I, yeah, I think that's the charges he got. Maybe no, but I, and I think I'm sorry, participating in, in the, an abortion or knowing about the abortion and not with, with mm. reporting it. And also in this case, so the doctor who allegedly did the abortion and... Uh, and two of his aides were, they were also arrested, but they are not, so they were, um, they were uh, sentenced to one year in prison, but they wouldn't, they, um, how do we, how do we say that? Sorry, they wouldn't spend it in jail, so it's one year. Uh, mm-hmm. They got like a suspended uh, sentence, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, suspended sentence. Um, and there's been protests in Morocco as well around this. Could you speak to listeners about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, since, since the arrest of Hajar Raisouni, social, uh, civil society actor, political activist, and political organization, they have been widely campaigning for the release of Hajar Raisouni. So they've organized uh, many protests in front of the, the, the in front of the, the, the court where she was having an, a, the, her trial. Uh, many Moroccan journalists also, before I launched this campaign, they also released a statement, uh, uh, you know, uh, supporting their colleague Hajar Raisouni and asking 
looking for her release. So the, 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 actually, the, the political scene in Morocco has been quite active on this case, on the case of Hajar Rizoni, but we believe that we hope and we aim and this is the, the, the you know this is the, the this is what pushed us to do this campaign and to launch this campaign is that this would contribute on top of all of the the, the uh, political mobilization within uh, the Moroccan political scene to um, to you know release Hajar Soni and her fiance and the doctor and the, the, the two of his aides. Mm. And it has been an ongoing crackdown um, from the Moroccan government against political activists and civil society and including journalists. Um, what's the feeling amongst other Moroccan journalists at the moment? Well, it's, you know, it's like uh, and in the video, one of, and unfortunately, I couldn't put all of the 50, uh, uh, 53 videos. I received 53 and they were all 20, 30 seconds uh, length. Mm. So it was impossible to, to put all of them in one of the, in, in the video. But one of the, the video, the one of videos I, refused, I have received from a Moroccan journalist saying that it's like we're all live, we all live in an open air prison because mm. we don't know, uh, we don't know how it, uh, uh, whether we will be on the spotlight, whether we will be arrested or not. So it's like not only journalists, I mean, every political activist in Morocco, every person who, who voice, who, who speaks the truth, speaks out about the, the ongoing crackdown, the ongoing repression, the ongoing, the ongoing, um, you know, economic instabilities that are happening in Morocco, they they fear for their lives. They fear for, you know, for being jailed or persecuted because this is the reality. We've seen that in 2016, uh, when uh, protests erupted in the northern region of Morocco asking for um, a dignified life and more jobs and, you know, equal development in, uh, uh, you know, access to um, um, health facilities, access to school and so on, they, the state... Uh, Answer to their demand by uh, arresting over a thousand person, uh, and until now, uh, more than uh, more than two hundred are still being in jail. So, yeah, I mean, this is a reality. And then we've seen that in 2018, in in March 2018, when the protests uh, when protests erupted in the region, the uh, uh, northeast, this time region, it's in Jarada, and it's close to the border with Algeria. The protests erupt, uh, erupted there. It's a mining city. The state again chose to uh, to answer that the 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 population's demand these communities demand by again jailing them so in so in in a, in about two weeks they arrested over 70 um um person and we're talking about a small city you know that so yeah so this is this is what we have been witnessing for the past years is Whenever we speak out, whenever there is a social movement, whenever people took they took to the streets and demand for uh, their freedom, uh, more more uh, jobs, uh, more democracy, while well, they are been facing the you know facing to get arrested or prosecuted, you know. Mm. And how can people in Australia support this campaign? 
Oh. About the case of Hajar Raisori, <laughs> that would be, yeah, I mean, I believe that that could, uh, and also, I don't know, maybe if there are other, uh, if any other Australian journalists are listening to me right now, we're still receiving videos, so if you would be willing to participate again, because uh, after we launched the campaign, we received other videos from other uh, female journalists around the world, so, I mean, Yes, uh, you know, we, uh, this is, uh, as we say, this is a campaign. This is the uh, join the campaign to free Hajar. So we are willing to receive any kind of support, either a letter or a, a, a photo or a video in support of Hajar Rizuni and that demand for her immediate release. Mm, absolutely. Um, and is there anything else that you'd like to um, tell listeners about um, this campaign or... Um yeah, anything about what's happening in Morocco at the moment? Yeah, I mean, uh, what's happening in Morocco, I think, I, I, I mean, I tried as, uh, to be to explain the situation. I know it's, it's, it might be confusing for a lot of people that don't know anything about Morocco, mm. but, I mean, Morocco is not an it's not an isolated case. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, the repression that is happening in Morocco is also happening in other countries, and I'm talking about Egypt, and I'm talking about, you know, many, many, uh, many, many countries where political activists, journalists, and civil society actors are, their life are being, um, you know, they're being uh, threatened. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, these are uh, issues that um, any political activist is facing right now in Morocco. It's being by, by being uh, threatened by the state or by Moroccan authorities or being jailed. So, yeah. Um, you were talking just before about how there was protest movements in 2016 and 18. Um, is there stuff apart from support um, for the journalists that is happening in Morocco at the moment? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear your question. <laughs> That's okay. I think the line's a bit, bit crackly. Um, I was just wondering, are there protest movements about things that are happening in Morocco at the moment, or has it kind of died down again since 2018? Uh, no, since 2018, there were a lot of social movement in Morocco. We had a social movement about uh, contracted uh, teachers. We had a, a social movement that lasted for more, for a year of medical students. We had protests in many different cities in Morocco about access to land and land uh, and access to resources and land disposition. So, I mean, the, um, in, in Morocco, I mean, the, the the, the situation is that every year there is a lot of social movement and there is a lot of protest so that, that shows that the, that people are just angry, you know. Mm. They're they they they're fed up of just being dispossessed from their economic means, uh, resource resource means, and not having access to um, social services like health, school, uh, and so and so forth and so on. So no protest is always you know it's a. Um, for the past, I would say since 2011, the, 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 actually the political scene in Morocco is is very is, is very very active. Cool. I know that there's a lot of migrants that go through Morocco that are trying to get into Spain and then Europe. Is there like how is that going? Are they solidarity between migrants coming through and their struggles and what is and the social movements in Morocco as well? 
is, is there what a relationship between migrants coming to work on social movement? Yeah, like are they supporting each other or having solidarity with each other, or are they quite separate things? Well, the thing is in Morocco, all of the, so I'm talking about. I, mean, I, I spoke about this, this, the protests of the medical students. I, I spoke about the protests of contracted teachers, and I spoke that, about the protests of access to them. But the, the thing is, Morocco is all of these protests are not uh, united. So you know, you have and it and it and it's it's actually it's it's spreading out throughout the the the, the, the year throughout different regions. So. Um, I mean, all of these protests are happening, but it doesn't mean they are all happening at the same time and in a very unified way. Mm-hmm. And that's also the case of uh, 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 the condition of migrants in Morocco, which is horrific. Uh, Morocco is being the, the 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 police guard of Europe, guarding the, the the frontier of Europe and stopping migrants from crossing to Europe. So obviously, that comes with a very repressive uh, uh, manner. Of uh, dealing with migration, of arresting uh, arresting migrants, and 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 since you know since Morocco actively took that role, uh, many migrants have been uh, randomly arrested. Uh, so the police could just randomly arrest any black person in the street, uh, whether they have where they are undocumented undocumented or not, uh, taking them from their street, from you know from the place where they were arrested, and um, and you know displacing displacing them in in um, in different uh, countries uh, in different cities uh, sorry, in Morocco uh, and then on top of that obviously there is a continuous and uh, um, crackdown on, uh, on migrant communities and I'm talking about I'm specifically talking about uh, communities that live in the, in the northern region of Morocco in Nador in Tanja but also in Casablanca in, uh, in Agadir and in uh, and in Rabat, where the police just randomly come to a neighborhood and they, they started arresting people and beating them and during these waves of arrest and repression, many, many migrants have, uh, have lost their, their life in, in, in this campaign. And this is something that we, we keep seeing and it's keep increasing all the time. So no, there is, I mean, there is a huge problem in Morocco about the condition of migrants that comes to Europe, uh, that comes to Morocco to, I mean, to, whether to cross or not, because at the end, because of the, you know, the, the very closed border that we have, so uh, many of them, they don't succeed in crossing to Europe, so they end up being stuck in a, in, in, in Morocco and living in a horrific, uh, and terrible condition. A living condition, you know, not, ha- uh, <clears throat> not having access to uh, decent housing, not having access to decent jobs, not being able, you know, being able to move, just to move, and, and uh, you know, mobility uh, for migrants and for, uh, black, you know, black migrants, the black community is very, you know, horrific in Morocco. And we've seen recently a lot of uh, a lot of migrants they they testified on social media such as Facebook and Twitter about their the, you know about the the, the, the problems they're facing. And, uh, the the last one that we've heard was about um, um, uh, an, an an American. Um, uh, I mean, he is American, so he is a black American who was randomly arrested. He lives in Rabat. He's a journalist. He was randomly arrested by the by the cops. So he. 
so the cop uh, decided to arrest him and then put him in a police van and took it and take and displace him to another city. And in Twitter, this uh, this journalist he explained the journey that he the, the horrific journey he had been through uh, and how he he told the cops that he was American, but they refused to listen to him and they didn't believe him because of his skin color. Mm-hmm. So they took him they 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 took him from Rabat and then they sent him to a, to a different city. And and he didn't have any money to the, to get back to Rabat, so which was yeah, so it was a, 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 a you know a, a horrible um, uh, journey that happened to uh, to this American journalist, and and he's not the only one. I mean, this is not a particular case. This is the normal. This is the mantra of uh, Moroccan police uh, in Morocco towards uh, uh, you know migrant communities. Yeah, absolutely. And unless there's campaigns like yours that are really shedding some light um, on political prisoners, um, then, yeah, the community and the international community, um, it doesn't know about what's happening. So thank you so much, Rairuz, for um, thank you. launching this campaign and also staying up very late so that um, we could do this interview with you. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to ask about them, the campaign for Hajar Rizuni. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on 3CR. And just then, we were speaking with Fayrouz Yusfi um, about the campaign that she's just launched overnight to free Hajar Rizuni. Guatemala, I'm Black Betty, and you can join me for Black Noise Radio each Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Join me each week as I serve you up a deadly fine offering of all things black as we explore black Australia and everything fabulous it has on the offer. We'll check out and see what's making black news locally and from right around Australia. And we'll explore all things Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and the deadly solid culture and people with a look at community news, views, music, culture and the arts. Hope you can join me for Black Noise Radio featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. That's me, Black Betty. I'll see you Thursdays at 2. Red Alert. Numbers are needed at the Japarung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japarung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarung traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarung country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty.
Listening to 3CR Community Radio, that was just a track um, by Nina Rose called Songbook. She just released her EP, and I'm really excited to listen to the rest of it. And now in the studio, we are joined by Spencer Lai, who will be performing on Saturday night at the Spring Poetry um, at Insidium Radical Library. Welcome, Spencer. Morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. So you're an artist, writer, and curator. Um, mm. And what part does poetry um, play in your life? Yeah, I guess um, I, I guess I'm primarily a visual artist. So then I've kind of started writing as part of my practice. Um, and it's something that just kind of came kind of uh, pretty naturally to me. So I guess I just started writing and then I thought I should just try and combine the two as sort of like prose or poetry as kind of like an extension of sculpture. So I mostly make sculpture, I guess, in my own artistic practice. So I see it as an extension of that. 
Yeah, incredible. Yeah. And can you talk a bit more about these other works? Um, mm-hmm. So your sculpture works, and you draw a lot on fashion as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do a lot of uh, sculptural assemblage. So usually uh, taking found um, pieces or uh, objects that I've you know either found secondhand or stuff that I own um, to create a sculptural assemblage. Um, and drawing on fashion, and, and it's sort of like... I guess it's language to create um, a, a set of works or like a create an environment or like a sculpture or installation that kind of responds to the garments or the objects themselves, yeah. Mm. Mm. And will you be drawing on that work in your poetry on Saturday? Um, yeah, a little bit. So I, 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 there's parts where I mention, um, I guess, the um, wearing clothing or I guess how clothes are kind of felt um as part of the writing but i think it's yeah so with a lot of the writing that i do it's kind of um that i'll just kind of work on different pieces of writing edit them over time so some of the pieces that are in there are a couple of years old and then i'll just kind of rework them Mm. like an assemblage i guess yeah yeah, yeah, that's really that's really great. I mm. don't think there are that many artists who yeah will like remake their work. And I think about the fashion yeah. industry as well, and how there's that real um, push now for slow fashion and remaking clothes. Yeah, to like you know, um, you know, you spend so much time, I guess, making a certain thing and to refashion or to reuse it to be resourceful. I think is an interesting concept. And then I think writing. Um, can come into that sort of same way of like, you know, revisiting a lot of writing. So every time I would read, it would be like, you know, fashioned from something else I've already have read. Um, and then I, of the kind of like long poems that are, or pieces of prose that I keep working on over time. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so on Saturday night, can we expect mm-hmm. just a straight reading of poetry or will it be more of a performance? Um, for me, probably depends on my energy level <laughs> so i think um i'll probably be doing um more of a straight up reading um i'll do, i'll see how i feel though yeah 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 <laughs> personally i think the other uh readers will be doing all sorts of different things so yeah yeah great yeah um so who else will be performing on Saturday? yeah so we have myself uh fatma hoss tyson campbell vincent silk and bridget fitzgerald will be presenting that night Oh, incredible. And yeah. it's from 6pm to 9? Yep, 6 to 9. Yeah. At Footscray. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and what other projects are on the horizon for you? Yeah, so um, on the 1st of November on Friday, we have um, the launch of In Costume, which is a friend of mine, uh, Brendan Morris, garments that he's been producing over some time, so I'm helping him to produce that runway um that'll be from the 1st of november on friday from 8 p.m at 33 tinning street in brunswick so i'm helping with that and then a week after that i've got a group show that i've curated um titled weeping gasoline dream that will be at the same location at 33 tinning street in brunswick at majea um and it's a group show put together with about 10 or 11 artists or so um the reception will be from 6 p.m yeah so i've got that and then, in um, um, for the Hobie and I'll, um, I will be involved in a show called World, um, and that's organised by Amy Parker and, and Bridget Fitzgerald as well. 
So there's a couple of things in my November slot. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is a lot of collaboration. How do you yeah. find um, collaborating with other artists? Um, yeah, it can, it's, I find it, it depends, I guess. I think um, I, I really enjoy working off other people's energy and, you know, having a project evolve over time is something that I'm, again, interested in working with other people. You kind of have a lot of room to be able to do that. Um, and if it's organic, it depends on the chemistry, but, and the, like the project, but I think overall, yeah, I love, you know, just working with people. Um, some collaborative things, I guess you'll have maybe, uh, well, like, you know, some group shows, I guess you'll just kind of present your own work and that's pretty straightforward and some are a bit more collaborative and a bit more organic. Um, yeah, it can be, I'm a bit of a control freak sometimes, so it can be a little bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, you have to learn to let go of that. And I think it's a good way to learn to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And have you worked alongside any of the other poets that are performing on Saturday? Yeah. So, um, a lot of those people I have worked with before, um, uh, Bridget Fitzgerald is a good friend of mine as well as Tyson. Um, I've seen Vincent perform and read a number of times as well, um, and Fatma I have not met yet, but I was reading their work online and I really enjoyed it. Um, so I guess, yeah, with Bridgie, I, I would say I've worked more closely with before in the past and we're also involved in that show in the Hobie Null as well. So mm-hmm. there's crossovers, yeah. And then also with the show that I'm putting on in um, the 8th of November, Weeping Gasoline Dream, Amy Parker is also part of that. So there's... I guess a small group of us that we kind of yeah. work together quite closely over time. Yeah. And do you find that um, with your sculpture work mm-hmm. that poetry sits alongside of that when you're like writing up little bios and like do you have poetry in the back of your head when you're trying to describe to people? Yeah. I think when I'm talking about work or when I'm when I'm writing, um, I think I, I used to write a lot about what a sculpture might look like or just the description of a sculpture um, or of an environment or of an artwork. And that's kind of something I still do within my work. And I kind of always think about maybe terms of phrases or just some words would kind of come into my head as I'm making. And then it's kind of informs either the process of the sculpture itself or like what's included. Um, or it can just kind of turn into its own work as well. So, so it would be the, um, that like you know a sentence that describes an object that doesn't exist is then I guess in term of phrase like the actual object itself or something to negotiate so um yeah I think they kind of I can't ever control or like think about one thing at any given time so it's mm. it's kind of for me it's pretty natural process to think about this and then this and then this and kind of go all over the place hence my November um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah for me it's kind of it's it's um it's a sporadic sort of thing that happens and it kind of communicates with each other. I guess there's different aspects. Yeah. 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 No, that's really cool because yeah. for me, when I think of poetry, I think of tying that into music and mm. maybe not necessarily that physical art. But mm. then when I was actually reading your website and how you describe some of that physical art mm-hmm. is through poetry and it was, yeah. I could really see the visuals without even looking at them. I yeah. Yeah, and I think when I was ever listing like just like um the materials in a work, it would always kind of be this really long list of materials and the way that things are described in the materials. So um, you know, if it was a t shirt saying that it was maybe 
um, a friend's T-shirt, which had been found, and including that as the description as opposed to just a T-shirt, the language really kind of shifts the reading, I guess, so much of the work and um, its genesis, and I think that's kind of interesting to explore, so I've tried to do that in my own work. Yeah. Mm, I think it just comes very naturally, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very flowery person, so yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Um, and would you like to share um, a part of your piece that you're going to be performing I would on love Saturday? to, thank you. <laughs> Sure, one second, let's pull this up here. So, to entertain an idea is to allow actions, complete with processional series of events, to drift in one's mind. To engage in a narrative is to encourage distance, a comfortable proximity of pain which dozes in a sun-filled nook. Footage of a citizen's arrest, the scope of understanding of our environment, the intangible presence that enshrouds forms and bodies, I imagine the stevie shades of lilac or violet. An animal with no voice box shivers viciously in a gentle summer breeze. Images of ballerinas doing absolutely nothing politely float over the scene like a diseased diorama. I have seen the same teenagers damaging what I believe is an abandoned property every day for about two weeks now. They speak to each other in the way that teenagers do. Sometimes I hear them trading stories, melodic, unrunning sentences with perfunctory details omitted then later remembered hastily as if a teenage brain was under a lot of stress, like a hastily burning building engorged with a main playable character or a jammed cog-like mechanism in an action film. The idea of the burgeoning teenage brain, the burning building, become too much for me, so I conjure an image of a large warehouse that's filled with potpourri, pallets of cloudy weathered plastic containers containing potpourri, forming neat rows. The stacked pallets absorb... resemble a sort of berserk holding pen. They come in many colours and variations, but the most popular combination of form and colour, I am told, is of a violet hue with a rippled edge flecked in gold. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. No worries at all. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So, yeah, again, for listeners, the details for the um, Spring Poetry Night is, yeah, 6pm to 9pm on -hmm. Saturday night, 12th of October, at Insidium Radical Library in West Footscray. That's right. See you then. (laughs) Great. Thanks so much for joining us, Spencer. Thanks. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. From October the 28th to the 31st, some of the worst climate criminals will be gathering for the International Mining Conference, IMARC, at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Blockade IMARC is an activist alliance committed to putting a stop to the mass destruction caused by extractive industries across the globe and the harm they cause to communities and ecosystems. We need your help to be part of this blockade. Find out how at blockadeimark.com or check out our Facebook page, Blockade IMARC, a 3CR supporter.
3CR broadcasters present over 100 radio programs every week, including a diverse range of community language shows. Kamu semua ada dengar 3CR Community Radio, please subscribe now. Tustamiuna ila ida 3CR Community Radio araja al-ishtrakal an. Ninggal ungalin samuha wanoli 3CR ay kertukondirikandirikal. Inre inayinggal. Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Metsuk ketsek radio i gayanin boratain gudam elbumi hai kaotin. Hima artan akrovetsek iper 3CR i antam. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. I never been one to just integrate. You can keep your negativity. One of a kind, I never imitate. Jaw dropper when I step up on the scene. On the mic, I never hesitate. I give them that ultra light beam. They see my face and they double take Cause they ain't never seen a brother like me Coming down, play it safe Nah, this is how different taste Some of y'all really boring Rock what you got, girls, what you born with Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? They looking at you, you the man now Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Live in the beginning Now they wanna be your friend Cause you winning Ain't it funny how things done change They be running that same old same I never settle for the game they play Nah, that it never work on me Running on flight, you left the lights on Careful what you say when the mic's on It's hard to breathe when the scene full of pythons And you got big dreams to be an icon Legendary's what I got my sights on I go the extra round when the fight's on I'm the man that you wanna keep an eye on Cause I'm the motherfucking lion Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? They looking at you, you the man now Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Everyone looks so familiar, it's hard for me to feel ya, I found strength in the mirror, now things are much clearer, Ay, and it all makes sense, when I look back how it all began, Ay, this is how it all began, 40 degrees, hot summers, rocking gray, microfiber pants, pop collars, dropping buckets with me against the world in my headphones, and it's only shock proof, discman in my pocket. Yo Al, they're not gonna know what a discman is. Uh. What do you mean? It's it's like an iPod. iPod? Who still uses an iPod? Man, just let me finish the story, man. This is back when I wanted beats. I paid top dollars. Now they're messing with me because they know I drop knowledge. Back before award shows and likes and follows. Room was a studio. The booth a closet. No one saw the vision. They were knocking back offers. Studying the game. I had to make my own options. Pay my own lane. Couldn't put me in a boxes. Made it stand out with a roar like monsters. Oh. Every year full of raw wildness We done seen a lot, done a lot Yeah, we got mileage Almost caused a crash Behind the wheel, freestyling Dead or alive, my drive still be climbing Still dropping buckets, kicking back, reclining With a sweet release and a unique timing Underdog coming up, so defying Forged by the flame, my game is hot iron Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? Why blend in when you're born to stand out? 
track there was by Alfresh the Lion, born to stand out. And now on the line, we are joined by Alfresh the Lion. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. What's up? What's up? <laughs> so you've just dropped this track, Born to Stand Out. Um, can you tell listeners about what inspired this? Yeah, I mean, that song really is kind of like, you know, a, a statement and an answer of self-confidence, you know, I kind of wanted to make something that, you know, made me feel good, that made people who heard it feel good, um, and made them feel good about themselves, you know, like, I wanted to, to piece something together that really stood for something like that, because for so long, you know, it's, you know, especially as a, as a teenager, my journey was so much about trying to fit in and trying to, you know, be a part of something and try to belong and, um, you know, not being certain of myself um, and wanting to, to please others uh, in order to, to be out of fear. And so, you know, the song really is about, you know, finding confidence in yourself and, and, and how you present yourself and how you are and, and finding confidence in, in your background and your culture and, and standing up for that, representing that with, with confidence and with pride. Mm. And what is it like being a sick rapper in um, Southwest Sydney. Well, I mean, Southwest Sydney is a great place. There's people from all walks of life out here, you know. So, you know, it's it's, it's definitely a vibe. I love being from here, being born and raised here. Um, you know, being you know, I suppose a hip hop artist from you know, the city community, or you know, having been a part of that community my whole life, you know. It, kind of appreciate and accept the fact that you're you know, really anyone else like you're doing what you're doing. Um, and there's, there's very much like just a handful of us around the world, you know, and it's kind of like, it's cool in that respect, you know, like I suppose, you know, you kind of appreciate and accept that, you know, you, um, that, you know, that you, uh, I suppose, presented in that way that you're, you're inevitably going to be representing a community. Um, because there's not many others like you doing what you're doing. Mm. Um, but at the same token, you know, you stand out because <laughs> as well, you there's very few you doing it. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a cool place to be in. I, I kind of, uh, take that in my stride. Uh, and it's just a part of, I suppose, um, my journey as well. Mm. And have you, um, found that over the years there's been, um, a bit of a like resurgence of hip hop in Southwest Sydney. Hip hop's always been out here. I mean, that's that's kind of I think one thing that's been consistent. You know, like it's been a huge part of my life as a from a young person going up to where I am now, and then you know, recognizing that hip hop has always played a part out here. People always have always connected to it, especially young people, um, and. 
you know, it's just, I suppose, Western Sydney is now on the map. Like, people are really recognizing the wave of talent coming out of Western Sydney because there's a lot of dope music coming out of Western Sydney, mm. especially within hip hop. But it's always been here, you know, yeah. like, it's always been here. There's always been talented people doing stuff, even at a grassroots level. Um, and it's only now just getting recognition. Mm, yeah. And do you think that um, that's because there has previously been a bit of a pushback from mainstream media to um, actually like elevate the voices of people in Western Sydney? Or, um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I think generally speaking, not just in music, but I think generally speaking, Western Sydney has been counted out. You know, like it's kind of a place that, you know, when you're in Sydney and you live in Sydney, people kind of speak of Western Sydney as this place that you don't go to. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's kind of like this far out place that you don't, you don't venture into unless you're from there, you know, like that's kind of how it gets spoken about. And then, you know, even politically speaking, you know, I kind of feel like it's, it's, it's a, it's a place that again, kind of is just counted out. Like people don't really take seriously and, um, you know, they underestimate it. So, you know, I think the industry kind of, was like that as well for a long time. You know, I didn't really know how to understand Western Sydney and how to talk about people from Western Sydney. Mm. You know, when when artists were coming up out of there, it was very much a tokenized kind of um, view of of those artists from there. And now, you know, we're starting to see the breadth of artists from the area come up. So, like, people are starting to appreciate what we have to offer in that respect. But at the same token, you know, it's still it's still early days. You know, there's, there's, there's still so much more music out here and so many different artists out here that get slept on um, because the styles of music that they make doesn't seem to reflect people's perceptions of what Western Sydney is about. So it's, it's an interesting time. It really is. I'm, I'm kind of keen to see how it evolves because, you know, there is so much of a focus on Western Sydney at the moment in terms mm. of within hip-hop and the artists that are that are coming out of here. But, um, yeah, let's, let's kind of see what happens. Yeah, no, I'm very excited as well. Um, now back to your track that you've just released, Born to Stand Out. You've also released a video clip and it just features heaps of different backdrops and um, different locations. Um, what was, um, yeah, like the inspiration behind creating this video clip? Um, and can you tell listeners a little bit about the locations that you did film in? Yeah, that video was, uh, how it came about was was really interesting, you know, like, in the intro of that video, there's a cameo by a Bollywood actor named Abby Dio, and um, he, I suppose, reached out to me like three years ago um, via the director of that music video. So that director, Tim, he's a Sydney guy, and he connected us all up, and Abby became a fan of my music uh, and kind of wanted to work on something together, and this was three years ago, so... You know, I, I kind of wasn't ready. I didn't. Have, I didn't have the right music at the time that I wanted to to, to share and, and to collaborate with on, on a project. Um, but then when I made a bunch of new music, I sent him and, and Tim a whole bunch of songs, and they picked the "Born to Stand Out" as, as the video they wanted to be a part of. So we kind of just tried to figure out then how to how we do it. You know, Abe's got a place in Goa, in India, so he was like. 
you know, we've got to shoot it out there. So we're like, sweet, okay, sounds good. <laughs> Let's just and, go to India. Um, yeah, so we were like, all right, sweet. We, um, we, we managed to, I mean, the only way that we were able to do this is I managed to get um, funding from the Australia Council for the Arts to, to shoot music videos, and that was the only way we were able to make this possible because otherwise it was like, yo, how are we going to afford to do this? Um, and so with that funding, we were able to go to Goa um, we shot scenes in Western Sydney, so flashback scenes mm. for that third verse in Western Sydney. So there's there's a younger version of me being played by a teenager and, and some of his mates to reenact kind of like what it was like for me as a teenager um, on basketball courts in Western Sydney. And then when we actually went to Goa, Abe got so like hectic with his schedule that he couldn't come back to Goa to be a part of it. So we were like, man, how do we still feature you in the video? And so we ended up shooting his parts in L.A. because he was in L.A. So we hired a local guy on the ground there to shoot his part. So, you know, we ended up being in three different locations. But it was it was a hell of a journey, like, to pull that video together because uh, it, was, it was one of the first that I shot outside of home, you know, mm. so it was... You know, a different. It was a different feel, um, and different elements that you're you're battling with. Because you know, the other part of that was it was monsoon season in Goa when we shot it too. So you know, like <laughs> there was there was that the elements we had to contend with too. So you know, it was a real real journey to to make that video. But I'm I'm glad we did it because it, it's a real fun one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's really fun to watch as well. Um, and, yeah, now you're back here in Australia and you've got a gig coming up at the Grace Darling Hotel on Saturday. Yeah, it's my birthday on Saturday as well. Oh. About. <laughs> so everybody who's listening, you've got to get along, celebrate Elfresh's <laughs> birthday. <laughs> yeah, come through. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, local um, boy, Dex Fisher, CMS is going to be playing opening act as well as a DJ from Sydney, Nicole Tanya. And I'm coming down with my band. So we're going to have a lot of fun. There's nothing else I'd want to do on my birthday to be on stage doing what I love to do. So it's going to be a lot of fun, that's for sure. Uh, thank you so much, Fresh, for joining us. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for making time. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and now we're going to be playing a track by another Sydney artist that I'm really excited about, Kobe D. So this is Jody. Cody 
he didn't have a much better, but he was making that cheddar. However, he could but never forget where he came from. See, he had to be strong, cause his mother's getting sick and doesn't have too long. So he had to step up, no relying on luck. Cause robbing anyone he sees just to make a quick buck. Their buddy Ben wasn't known to be calm. First person that they thought of when they heard a car alarm. He was always in a daze, couple pills up in his palm. See, his mother was an addict with a needle in her arm. Yeah, the three shared that same struggle. Dancing for the hard life, forgetting the trouble when they did. On this particular day, Cody thought of an idea with guaranteed pay. But the plan to little Jody didn't seem okay. But his older cousin Cody just convinced him to stay. He told him this is what will separate the boy from a man. So he carried on and listened to the rest of the plan. He said, Yo, it's really quite simple. Run up to the second, put that gun up to his temple. Right, and me and Ben will take the register. He makes a movie, take a shot and show him that you better, bruh. Okay, and so off they went. It was a long, quiet ride with a strong, sweaty scent. Little Jody was shaking up in his boots. He thinks if he shoots, then he might just compromise a loop. But it's too late for second thoughts. They all jump about the car, but it's the safe for the doors. And Jody cocks his gun, voice to say to the guard. Says if you cooperate, then this don't gotta be hard. Says if you wanna go on, simply lay on the floor. Don't move into all of us out of the door. Ben and Cody's got the money, everything seems smooth. Until he's seen that Seki's arm, so he starts to move. But Jody can't pull that trigger. Instead, he takes a bullet wound straight to his liver. And it was no surprise, I grabbed the money in a hurry, left him there to die. He doesn't wonder why, he just looks up to the sky and smiles in pride. He's happy he can finally die. Cause he can never do it himself, he never thought that a soul would even dare to help. And so we pray that he rest in peace, but we're just happy that he finally made it out of the streets. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR Code. And follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR, funded by the City of Yarra. You're listening to 3CR Thursday Breakfast, and that's all we have time for today. What did we have at the top, Carly? Um, so at the beginning, uh, you listened to a conversation that I had with Sarah Al-Sayed, who contributed to the book Arab Australian Other. And then we were very lucky to be joined by Farouz, um, who has just recently launched a campaign to free journalist Hajar Rousani. Uh, and then we spoke with Spencer Lai, who is performing this weekend at the Spring Poetry Night happening at Insidium Radical Library from 6 to 9 p.m. on uh, Saturday. And also another event happening on Saturday at the Grace Darling Hotel is um, Alfresh the Lion, who's performing. And uh, we just spoke to him then about his new released track, uh, Born to Stand Out. Cool. Thanks so much. We'll see you again next week. Up now is Lost in Science. <laughs> 